If you have your Bible with you, turn it to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's found, if you want to use the Pew Bible in front of you in the Pew, that's on page 1330, if you'd like to follow along there. While you're turning there, uh, we've just prayed for Marlene Murren. She is under hospice care, and uh, she has uh, been a very faithful servant of this church for many, many, many years, probably her whole, her whole life, <laughs> you would think. But anyway, um, one of the important roles that she had was she oversaw the groundskeeping here, the flowers and things like that. And if anybody would be interested in, now we're not asking to replace Marlene because she did a lot of the work. Uh, she had her own greenhouse and everything. We're asking somebody if they would be willing to oversee this, to gather the volunteers and to get volunteer days and to help out with that. If you'd be interested in, in taking that kind of position to help us, that would be great. Please see one of the deacons. They would appreciate hearing from you on that. Let's pray together. Father, help us now as we study your word and please open our hearts and open our minds and bless us and draw us to yourself. Give us grace and give us insight into your truth and into who you are. Father, help us, we pray. We, we tend to be so distracted. We tend to be um, so easily just uh, moved in different directions or we, we sometimes fail to think about what you've done and who you are. And so we pray that you help us to do that this morning. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Second Corinthians chapter 5, let's read that. I'll, I'll follow along with me, just verses 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, when, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Probably every single person here has experienced in your lifetime, maybe you are right now, I hope not, but maybe you are, you've experienced in your lifetime a mean person, a person who has been mean to you, a person who's just by nature a mean person. And it could be somebody at work. You could have a workmate who's just mean. They're on their work site with you, and they're just mean people, and they're mean toward you. Or it could be in your family, uh, or it could be in your neighborhood. There's just that mean neighbor that nobody even wants to be, be around. Uh, that kind of person who's always yelling at somebody, always mean. Now think about a time where you have had somebody in your life who's been mean to you, all right? They somehow have it out for you. They don't like you. And you don't even know why they don't like you. They just don't like you, and they have it out for you. They kind of just hate you, and they're mean to you. They have nothing kind to say about you or to you. All they do is criticize. All they do is question your motives. They're just mean. Their, their response is always quick-tempered, and, and they're just mean to you. 
they always assume the worst about you. Always assume the worst about you. Uh, they're so mean. They have no interest in you at all. No interest in you at all. They don't want to be around you. They, in fact, they try to avoid you. They just don't like you. You, you could walk past them in the hallway, and they won't even acknowledge you, you exist. They're so mean. They're just so mean. They don't like the, if somebody said, hey, we're all going out together, and we're going to do this. And they said, well, who's going? So-and-so, and so And then they mention your name, say, I ain't going. I ain't going. He don't, he don't want to be with you. He's just mean. He's just mean. Now, if somebody also doesn't like you, okay, the mean guy actually feels close to that person in a weird way. Like, oh, you don't like him either? Yeah, I don't like him either, man. And they almost have this weird mean guy friendship thing going on there because they don't like you. They're mean toward you. This mean person is not for you. He or she's against you. If, if you're, if you're they, they become unhappy if you succeed. They, they, they become unhappy. They don't rejoice if good things happen to you. They grumble. But they are happy if you fail. If, you're, if a, a promotion at work is coming and you get overlooked for that promotion, they're happy about that. In fact, they may have even tried to make that happen and actively seek that in so that you wouldn't be happy. They're mean. They're just mean people. They could care less about you. If you're sick or you're hurting, they could care less. They might even give them pleasure if you're sick or you're. Did you hear somebody's in the hospital and have cancer? They'd be happy. And if you died, they would be happy. Now, that's a mean person. I just described a very mean person. Now, let's make two observations about this mean person. Number one, mean people like this tend to make us mean back at them. They tend to do that to us. We tend to respond in kind. At first, we're like kind of mystified, like, why is he so mean to me? Why does she just hate me? Why, why is that? But then eventually that wonder and that questioning begins to harden, and we become mean back to them. They try to avoid us. We try to avoid them. They don't like us. We don't like them. They say bad things about us. We'll slander them. We'll get back to them. They, 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 if they're out of our lives, we're happy. If, if, if they move to another place in the company and, and I don't have to be around this mean person, I'm happy. I feel relieved. See, mean people tend to bring the worst out in us as well. But then a second observation is this. What would it take for this mean person to actually like us, to be nice to us, to be genuinely want to be around us and, and be our friends? Well, Honestly, it feels like what it would take is nothing short of a miracle. Because every effort that we've made to try to get the mean person less mean and to be nice to them, everything that we've made has failed. It, it, it seems like it would be a miracle. Now, sadly, probably everybody has somebody like this at one time in your life, or you can somehow relate to this. So let's bring this now back to God. Here's a strange thought, perhaps if it's the first time you ever thought this. We're mean to God. We're the mean person to God. In fact, the Bible says that we are in enmity. By nature, by nature, the children of Adam are in enmity against God. We are hostile toward God. The Bible, we're going to actually see a verse here. The Bible calls us enemies of God. We're enemies of God. The Bible calls us God-haters at one point. 
The Bible says that, that, that we, we even don't want God to exist. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. What I'm saying is that the Bible says that we're mean toward God like this. Well, somebody might say, well, wait a minute. Wait, it's the first time I've ever heard this. No, 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 that's way too harsh. There's no way I'm mean to God. Well, seriously, think about it. Think about a person before they've come to faith in Christ. Think about it. Generally speaking, people have no interest whatsoever in God at all. If you were to ask the average person, not a Christian, say, hey, how much did you think about God this week? Well, not really that much at all. I don't give God a thought to my answer. I never think about God. I have no interest in God. I find nothing attractive in God. I find nothing about God that draws me to him. I don't really want to know about God. I don't really care about God. Let God do his thing up there, even if he exists. I don't want to be around God. I don't want to hear about God. Hey, come on. I heard this guy, he's going to preach, and, and he's, he's really good. And he's going to open up the Bible. I, I ain't doing that. I could care less. I'm going fishing. I don't care about God. I don't like God. I don't want to be around God. I don't want to be near God. I don't like people who like God. They drive me nuts. They start talking about God all the time. I don't want to talk about God. I'm not drawn to them. Now, if some other people start making fun of those Christians over there who talk about God, then, hey, yeah, man, don't they drive you crazy? Aren't they not? Uh, yeah, these God people, these Jesus freaks, they drive me nuts. I can't stand them. All of a sudden, there's this weird friendship with people who don't like people who like God. That's how we are by nature. We'll even get to the point that we'll deny that he exists. But then the same people who deny that God exists because we want him out of our lives, he's denied he exists, that if something bad happens in our lives, then we're the first ones to criticize him. Why would God do this? How could you believe a God who would allow this to happen? If this is your God, then I don't want him. And no matter what good God does, no matter how much he helps us out, we just don't want him involved in our lives. We would be just as happy if he didn't exist. We don't respect him. We don't acknowledge him. We don't love him. We don't give thanks to him. We're really the mean people who are mean to God. Now, let's think about this for a minute. What's amazing here in this story is how God responds to us. You see, remember when we were observing mean people, and the first thing I said was, what mean people tend to do is they tend to make us mean back at them, and they tend to, to, to get us to hate them. Think about God's response to us mean people. Think about God's response. There's two things that we're going to look at here about God's response. One is grace, and the second one is power. Let's begin with grace. God... Grace is God's love, and grace is a special kind of love. Grace is a love that is poured out upon people who, quite frankly, are mean to you, who don't like you, who are your enemies, who don't acknowledge you. You love them, and you're so overwhelmingly concerned for their well-being that you do good things to them because you love them. And that's called God's grace, God's grace. God is like that. God pours out good things on us all the time. Do you know that you're sitting here today and you are amazingly in debt 
to God for his grace. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, whether you acknowledge God or not, whether you think about God, whether you like God, whether you don't want anything to do with God, whether you've run for God your whole life, you and I are sitting here today. We have been so blessed by God. We have been so loved by God. God has poured out goodness upon you. How do I know that? How do I know that? Well, you're breathing. (laughs) You're breathing God's air, by the way. You're breathing God's air in a body that God gave you. Your heart is beating. God is beating your heart. He's allowing you to live. God God gives us, he gives us life. He gives us breath. He gives us joys. He gives us food. He gives us clothing. He sends the rain, the Bible says. He sends the sunshine. The crops grow. He gives us strength. He gives us mental abilities. He gives us the desire to do things. He gives us the skill to do our jobs. He gives us families. He gives us uh, children. God gives us everything. He just keeps giving and giving and giving and giving and giving, even though we don't like him even though we have no interest in him, even though we make fun of people who do like him, even though we feel close to people who also don't like him, God just doesn't care, as it were, about that because he's so loving. He just keeps pouring out and pouring out. That's why Jesus said, God says the sunshine and the rain upon the just and the unjust. And Jesus tells us we're to love our enemies because God's teaching us this. This is who, who does this to mean people? Do you, are you going to go to work next week uh, on Monday and that mean person is going to be at the workstation and all you're going to do is say, oh, I love him so much. I'm just going to pour out good upon him. Yeah, he's done all kinds of things to mess up my career. Yeah, he only speaks negatively. He won't even acknowledge me in the hallway, woman, but I'm going to, hey, I'm, I'm going to do him this. I'm gonna, no, we don't do that. God does, though, because God is gracious. But then secondly, God not only pours out good gifts upon us, but God seeks to reconcile with us. Reconcile means to reestablish a friendship. God seeks reconciliation with these mean people. Look at the verses that we have before us. Look at verse 18. And, and key in now on the word reconciliation or reconcile. Now all things, verse 18, now all things are of God. We just talked about that. Life, breath, food, everything. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. God is in the business of reestablishing friendship and reconciling. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their sins to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Look at how many times reconciled, God reconciled, God reestablished the relationship. God tried to rebuild the relationship. Notice how that is. Now, what's interesting is this. God is doing the reconciliation to the mean people. That's not how it works in, in, in our world, is it? You're there, somebody's really mean to you. They're really mean. That's that mean uncle, it's that mean neighbor, it's that mean person in the workplace. They've been mean to you. They've been mean to you for a long time. How are you going to be reconciled to that person? Well, that mean person needs to come to you and say, hey, you know what? I've been really mean to you, and I'm so sorry. I have been a total jerk. I have, been, I have been mean. I have, I've tried to hurt you. I could care less about you. I have treated you so shamefully. And now I want to be your friend. Please forgive me and let's be reconciled. That's how it works with us and mean people. 
That's the opposite of what's happening here. We're like, I never think about you, God. I have no interest in you. I don't read your Bible. I don't go and worship you. I don't give you thanks. I don't acknowledge you. I don't even like you. I don't even like your people. I don't like to talk about you. And God comes to us and says, I want to be reconciled to you. I want to be your friend. I, I, I want you and I to be particularly amazingly close. See, that's grace. That's God's grace. And God initiates something to make it right. Now, again, go back to my mean guy trying to reconcile. When the mean guy reconciles and he says, hey, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Okay. Okay. What is he doing? He's asking for forgiveness. What does God do to reconcile us to himself? He's not the mean guy. We're the mean guy. What does God do to reconcile us, to reestablish the friendship, to repair the relationship between us? What does God do? Well, notice again, look at the verse. Look at verse 18. Now, these, all these things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. Notice the words here. Through Jesus Christ, his son, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not imputing their trespasses to them, and is committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay? Now, notice verse 21. We didn't read that one before. We're going to read it now. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Look at those words again. He, God the Father, made him, Jesus his son, who knew no sin, never sinned before. He made him to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he's saying here, this is what God did. I'm going to forgive you of all of your sins. I'm going to wipe them all away. I'm going to punish them not upon you but upon my own son. I'm going to give you my son and my son is going to die as a substitute for you. My sinless son is going to take your sins upon himself, take them to the cross, and there he is going to die for you. My son is going to be beaten. My son is going to be spit upon. My son is going to have a crown of thorns put on his head. My son is going to be nailed to a cross. They're going to put nails through his hands, nails through his feet. My son is going to be condemned. He is going to be made sin for you. He's going to take your sin and be made sin for you. And I'm going to punish your sin on him so that we can be reconciled. That's dumbfounding. That's like jaw dropping. You want to be reconciled to me so much and you're going to do this? God gives us his son. And you know what this is? This is a demonstration of his love. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, listen to what this says. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. How? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's that love, that grace that reconciles. Two verses later, Paul writes this. For in when we were enemies, oops, bring her up there, buddies. Romans 5.10. Okay, just listen. It's not coming. For if, here we go. For if when we were enemies, look at that word right there. There's that enmity. There, we were, and we were, you can put it like this. For if when we were the mean ones, we were reconciled. There's our word. To God, through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. See, this is the meaning of John 3.16. 
That very similar verse, this is the meaning of it. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God gave us his son. Well, if that isn't enough, then God does something else. Listen to this. Then God pleads with us to accept this great gift. Now remember, we're the mean ones. God's the good one. God sacrifices his own son. Then he pleads with us. Look at the verse. Look at the verse. He says this in verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were, and that's not a good translation. It should say something like this. Seeing that God were pleading through us. There is God, and what is God doing now? He's pleading. That word means to invite, to beseech, to entreat, to beg almost, to exhort, to encourage. He's pleading. God is pleading with us. And then notice how Paul goes on to write. We implore on Christ's behalf. That word means to appeal, to beg earnestly, to have an earnest appeal. We plead, God, we are pleading, we are imploring. God is pleading through us. God is imploring. And what is God pleading and imploring? Come to me, accept the gift, accept the gift of my son. Be reconciled to me, be with me, be my friend, be my friend. You're so, you've been so mean, you don't have anything to do with me. But I've been giving and giving and now I love you and I want. And I've sent my son to die for you, and now I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. I'm urging you. I'm asking you, please, please be my friend. Accept this gift of my son and be reconciled to me. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. Do you ever treat a mean person like that? No way. Look in your bulletin. One of my favorite quotes of all times has been printed in your bulletin. If you'd like to follow along, I'm going to read it. Listen to what this John Angel James said. He obviously was preaching this because it's one big long sentence, I think. This is the most wonderful scene that the world will ever witness. A beseeching God, a pleading God, an imploring Savior, standing at the door of the sinner's heart with eternal salvation in his hand, knocking for entrance and begging to be let in. That's the most wonderful scene in the world, that the eternal God would come to us, these little sinners, and beg to be let in with salvation in his hand to give it to us. He goes on to say this, the insulted, omnipotent creator of the universe, beseeching a worm, that's us, the mean ones, whom an exercise of his will could sink in a moment to perdition or hell, and his justice be glorified in the act. He's pleading with us to accept his pardoning mercy and waiting year after year in all long suffering for the sinner's reconsideration of his obstinate refusals. Pleading for years, pleading patiently, come to me, accept me, my son. Be astonished, angel James says, oh heaven, at God's unutterable mercy and be horribly afraid O earth at man's indescribable wickedness here is the climax of divine love and man's desperate depravity but wait a minute remember when we were talking about mean people the second observation was this 
What would it take for that mean person at work to have a change of heart so that that mean person actually likes me and wants to be my friend and apologizes and becomes reconciled to me? And I said, it feels like it would be a miracle. It would be a miracle. And the truth is it would be a miracle. And so God not only extends grace to us, sends his son, sacrifices his son for our sins, and then pleads with us, pleads with us to come to him. We still won't come because we're so mean to God, because sin has so twisted us and we're so distorted that we have still no interest in God, still no interest. And if you've ever had to plead with somebody for their soul, plead with them to come to Christ, plead with them to get real about God, and they keep putting up, Christ died, Christ died, God's offering you his, his son, he's offering you the cross, he's offering you, but no, 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 not in, still not interested, still not interested, wish you'd shut up, still not interested, aren't these Christians, don't they drive you crazy? What then does God have to do to get us to change? Well, you know what? God has to send his power and enable us to change. We're so messed up, God has to actually change our heart. And that's mentioned in this text. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's been created all over again, as it were. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. This is what the Bible talks about when it says to be born again, to be born all over again. That's what the Bible means when it says that. This is what the Bible says when it means to be born from above. Sometimes the Bible describes it as a spiritual resurrection from the dead. It is the power of God that comes into a person's life, and all of a sudden God begins moving and working in their life to turn their heart away from enmity against God, so they're like this, to open their heart to God and to hear with clearness what God is, 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 is revealing to them. It's weird. It's like, it's like, it's amazing. All of a sudden, it's like person being blind, and all of a sudden, your eyes are opened up, and you're saying, wow, God is amazing. God has been loving. God has been good to me. God's been patient with me. I've been nasty to God. Your eyes get, your ears suddenly get opened up, and you hear the gospel for the first time. It's like I never heard anything like that before in my life. And you start to see, this is how God begins to reconcile us to ourselves. Our heart becomes open to God, and we become interested in God. And all of a sudden, the same thing that people have been saying to us year after year after year, all of a sudden start making sense to us, and our heart starts resonating with it, and we start to come alive to it. Because why? God has actually worked in our life, and as he's pleading, he says to you, please be reconciled to me. I offer my son's blood so that all of your sins could be forgiven. You start saying, really? Wow, amazing. Yes, I'm in. Thank you. I love you, God. I'm, I'm so grateful. And notice how God did it all. God did it all. And he did it while we were mean. So let me close by asking you this question. What is your relationship with God right now? Right now. Just you. Don't worry about the people sitting next to you. Don't worry about the people sitting in front of you. Right now, you, sitting here today, me, standing here today, what is your relationship with God? Are you a friend of God? Reconciled to him. Or are you a foe of God? A mean enemy. Are you a friend of God? James chapter 2 and verse 23 talks uses that phrase, a friend of God. It says this, and the scripture was filled, which, fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Now, don't you love that phrase, by the way? A friend of God. 
Are you a friend of God? Are you reconciled to God? Have your eyes been opened? Do you love him? Do you think about him? Do you want to know more about him? Do you trust him? Are you grateful for what he's done for you in Christ? Well, if that's true, if that's true for you today, you are here by grace. It's all of God. It's all of him. I was on the phone this week with one of my aunts, one of my elderly, dear, sweet, elderly aunts. And she got very over-exuberant. And she said this to me. She said, Todd, honey, she said, when you die, you're going straight to heaven. She said, those pearly gates are going to burst open. And she was saying that because of some good things she perceived that I did. And I said, Aunt Kathy, that is so wrong. I said, you're right. I am going to go straight to heaven. And you're right. The pearly gates are going to burst open. But it's not for what you think. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. I said, I am a sinner. Aunt Kathy, I am a sinner saved by grace. I could have said to her, maybe she'll watch this, I don't know, that I was a mean person. And God poured out his grace, and God gave his son, and God opened my eyes, and God enabled me to even accept his gracious offer. Dear friends, if you are a friend of God today, never stop being amazed at grace. Never stop being amazed at God's patience with you and goodness and love and the sacrifice of his son and grace. Never, ever lose that amazement of grace. Never lose the sense of wonder. Never lose the deep gratitude. Never lose the sense of awe. And let your life be marked by thankfulness and by joy by a quiet confidence that it is God who treated me not meanly, but treated me well. I love how Paul writes in 1 Timothy says this, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm the worst and God has saved me by I will say one more thing to those of us who are friends of God by his grace. As God's, and I don't have time to even go into this. I'll just throw this out there. As God's people, we need to learn how to respond to that mean person in our life by how God has responded to us. We need to learn to extend grace. But maybe you're a foe of God today. You don't want to admit it. But you're a foe of God today. You're mean to God. You look back even on this past week and you were mean to God. You never gave God a thought at any day, time or any day this week. You don't worship God. You wouldn't dare to worship God. You don't thank God. You don't confess your sins to God. You're perfectly content to have a life without God in it. You're perfectly content. Well, I just want to say to you this. Number one. That is a very sad and lonely path. You see, mean people are lonely. That mean neighbor, he's lonely. We had a mean neighbor once, and it was Halloween, and some kids said, I overheard some kids say, I ain't going to that house, he's mean. None of the kids went to the mean neighbor's house. Mean people are lonely. 
if you are going to continue in this mean attitude toward God, you're going to live a sad and lonely life. But secondly, you're going to live a very dangerous life. It's a very dangerous path. You see, because God has been pleading with you your whole life. God has been pleading. God has done that. Even when the sun shines, like Jonathan prayed, even when you see this beautiful in the spring coming, you see the handwork of God everywhere. God has been pleading with you. God has been calling you to himself. God has been reminding you. Even trials that came into your life, God was there. He was pleading with you. Come, turn to me. Please. And you kept saying, no, God, no. I don't want you in my life. Get out of my life. And maybe God brought Christians into your life, and they were, they were, they were witnessing before you. No, no, no. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. I don't want you in my life. My life get out of my life well dear friends someday you're gonna die and then God's gonna say to you so be it you didn't want my son you didn't want a relationship with me you had no interest in me so so be it be gone and you will be banished from the presence of God forever that's called hell See, you will be banished from all of the goodness that he's been pouring out upon you. No more joy, no more happiness, no more blessing, no more strength, no more peace, no more... No, no. All the blessings that God has been pouring out upon you end that day. And you're in utter, utter darkness and emptiness. Shut off from all of his goodness. But let's not stop there. If your Bible's open to... 2 Corinthians 6, notice what Paul writes in, in the next few verses down. For he says, it is an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We implore you, Paul said earlier, be reconciled to God. Let me tell you something amazing, dear ones. If you walked in here today, a foe of God, not interested in God, your life is completely separated from God, you could care less about God, I have great news for you today. God is going to plead with you right now. God is going to beg you. God is going to hold you on his almighty hand. He's not going to crush you and send you away. He's going to hold you on his almighty hand. You, his enemy, you, the mean person, and God is going to say, come to me. Have a relationship with me. Be reconciled to me. I'll forgive you of all of your sins. I'll wash you clean with the blood of my son. Anything that you've ever done that has broken your relationship with me, I'll cleanse it and wash it right now instantly. It'll never be remembered again. I'll, I'll accept you. I'll receive you. I'll even adopt you to be one of my children forever. I'll even begin preparing a place for you in heaven. Be my friend. Be my friend. Look at my dying son. Look at what I've done. I'm calling you in love. Be reconciled to me. I'll give you salvation and everlasting life. Oh, dear ones, be reconciled to God today. Today. Let's pray together. Father, we heard you calling to us today. We've heard you. You've called to us. You've asked us to come. You've pleaded with us. Oh, Father, give your power now, I pray. Open eyes. Open ears. Open hearts. Draw us to yourself. Father, hear the one who's just feeling in their heart right now. I want to know God. I'm depressed. I'm scared. I got anxieties. I'm lonely. I'm empty. I need God. Oh, Father, help them, I pray. 
the one who feels, I'm sinful, I've done wicked things, I've been bad. Help them to see that the blood of Christ will cleanse. Help them to turn, I pray. Help them to come and find salvation in you. Help them to become friends. Help them to run into your arms. Help them to trust and accept Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Have mercy, I pray. Father, for those of us who at one point in our lives heard and by your grace responded, we thank you for your grace. We're in awe of your grace. We're in awe of your mercy. Thank you. Thank you. We pray this in your precious name.